just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Friday. I'm still in Las Vegas, but I'm leaving later tonight, headed back home, and I'm anxious to get there. I miss my wife. I miss my kids. I miss my grandkids. I'm anxious to get back. Las Vegas is one of those places where two days, more than enough. I like Vegas, but I don't like it so much that I'd want to spend a week or two weeks here. Two days, perfect. I'm headed back. And I got to tell you, I'm tired as I'm fucking tired. And I'll tell you why I'm tired. The last couple of days, my brother's been keeping track of our steps. Now, you're supposed to get 10,000 steps a day. I'm lucky if I get two normally. But the last two days, we've put on 20,000 steps a day. I'm just not used to that. That's not how my body works. So right now, I am tired. How I'm even getting the energy to do this goddamn podcast, I don't know. But I feel obligated because I know people are waiting for it. So here I am. And I have to say, yesterday was very eventful. Very busy day. A lot of things happening. We had a couple of things we had planned, you know, just touristy things. We decided to take the tour of the Los our Las Vegas Raiders football stadium. And we found it interesting because the people who built that stadium were the same people that built the one in Minnesota. Also the same people that built SoFi in Los Angeles, and we were out there last year. So we thought it was interesting. And I got to say, in spite of the fact it was the Las Vegas Raiders, I was very impressed. It was a beautiful stadium. I couldn't believe it. It was very nice. Then later on in the day, actually in the evening, we went to the T-Mobile Arena and we watched a basketball game, our Minnesota Timberwolves against the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm happy to say it's preseason, but nonetheless, the Minnesota Timberwolves kicked the shit out of the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, LeBron wasn't playing. Cat wasn't playing for the uh, Timberwolves. It's preseason. doesn't amount to anything, really, but it was kind of fun to see the arena, kind of fun to uh, see the Timberwolves the way they look now, and, of course, the L.A. Lakers. Uh, so we did that. We did that. Had lunch at In-N-Out Burger. I got to say, I like the shit. It's pretty good. I think Culver's beats them on hamburgers, but... In-N-Out Burger was not bad. Now, as we're walking around Las Vegas, I get this notification on my phone. And it says there was some crazy stabbing going on. I go, wow, I wonder where that is. It was in Vegas. It was about a block and a half away from where I was. Apparently, some nutcase, they arrested him, thankfully. uh, But apparently, some nutcase stabbed like 10 people. There are eight injured people and two dead people. What in the fucking actual fuck is going on? How does this happen? How is this even possible? What has become of our country? 
I think part of it has to do with our negligence in caring for people with mental health issues. This started back with Ronald Reagan when he took away all the funding for mental health care. We've got more homelessness, more violence on the streets ever since that happened. And nobody since then has tried to rectify that situation. Now, I'm not sure that this guy has mental health care issues, but you have to assume that you're walking around Las Vegas and you decide, hey, I'm going to stab 10 people. This guy cannot be very stable emotionally or in the mind. It's kind of frightening, especially when it hits that close home to you. It tells you something. It tells you that these are very random of things. It could happen anywhere at any time. Any one of us could get caught up in it and not even know what hit us. That is absolutely frightening. This is something we have to do. So once the Democrats win in the midterms, I'm hoping they'll address the medical health care issue and start funding it more and getting help and, uh, and, uh, and housing for people that are in dire need instead of just throwing them on the street like Ronald Reagan did. Then I had another eventful thing happen. This is something that's never, ever happened to me before. And I found it extremely flattering. After running around during the afternoon, after eating at In-N-Out Burger, I'm walking through the MGM Grand Casino with my brother. He's staying there. I'm staying at another place. So we're walking through the MGM Grand. And then all of a sudden, this very nice woman, walks up to me. She taps me on the shoulder and says, excuse me, are you on TikTok? She was very polite and very sweet, but it took me back. Am I on TikTok? Never in my wildest dreams did I think somebody would recognize me from TikTok. Now, I'd spent some time working in radio and in television, and I've had people recognize me before, but not for TikTok. And as I'm looking at this woman, she seems very sweet, but my paranoid mind starts working. I'm thinking to myself, well, Mike, you know the shit you talk about. You know the kind of things you say. You could either get hugged or slugged in this situation. So I tried to read her, and she had a very sweet face, very nice, very uh, polite. So I took a shot, and I said, yeah, I'm on TikTok. She goes, oh my gosh, I listen to your TikToks every day. I love your TikToks. And I was so flattered by that. Nobody's ever come up to me for the TikToks before. And I said, well, thank you very much. You, you have no idea how much I appreciate that. And she holds hand, out her hand to shake my hand. And I said, the hell with that. We're family here. How about a hug? Now, I did it. Very appropriately, it was completely consensual, and she hugged me, and she was a great woman. Now, when I walked away from her, I'm pretty happy about it. I got recognized from TikTok. That's pretty cool. But then I immediately felt stupid, because while I met her and talked to her for a short period of time, never asked her her name, never asked her for her TikTok handle. That was stupid. I should have done that. So then I went on and did a TikTok, told the story and said, if you are that lady, please send me an email, send me your name and send me your TikTok handle so I can make sure that I'm following you. 
Haven't heard from her as yet, but we'll see what happens. But on the TikTok, I said something, and I stand by this, and I'll say it again here. I can guarantee 100% that I was more excited meeting her than she could ever be being excited in meeting me. It was incredibly flattering. She was so polite and so sweet. It just made my day, and I thank her for it. It it, it uh, was a very nice thing, and, and I'm feel fortunate that I happened to run into this woman, even though I don't know her fucking name or her TikTok account. So if she's listening to the podcast, I told you on TikTok, if you didn't, if you missed that, you hear it on the podcast, email me at rationalboomer at gmail.com, please. All right, talking about emails, let's get to some of them. We've got a number of them, actually. Um, we, we're going to talk about this story more. Uh, but, of course, Biden pardons thousands for simple possession of marijuana. TJ sent me this note, and, of course, TJ was on the show recently. Mike, I can't wait to see how the trump at Fox News are going to spin this story. This is something that needed to be done ages ago. Dark Brandon is laying the smack down again. Anyhow, I hope you're enjoying Vegas. Stop and have dinner at Gordon Ramsay's restaurant. You won't regret it. Enjoy your trip. TJ. Well, thank you very much, TJ. I didn't make it to that restaurant. I think I've eaten in another Gordon Ramsay restaurant someplace else, but you're right. It's very good. Uh, Like I said, we went whole hog yesterday. We went to In-N-Out Burger. And I'll be honest with you, I'm just as happy with a fast food type of thing as I am a sit-down expensive place. All right, this next one comes from Brent. Actually, Brenton. Brenton from Michigan. I hope all is well with you and you're enjoying your time out west. I'm a 37-year-old who has pretty much lived a life of seeing or seeing spades for spades. I don't buy into conspiracy theories and I'm not quick to chase a headline, but this morning I did just that. Inside the White House failed attempt to stop OPEC from creating a total disaster. This article from CNN talked about a looming oil price disaster that is about to be felt hardest for Americans. Here in Michigan, we have $4.59 a gallon of gas, and it's climbing. We're going to talk more about this story, too. Brenton goes on to say, doing some research, I found out in May 2020, Trump met with Saudi Arabia and Russian officials about cutting daily output of oil via OPEC, and they agreed. Fast forward to this week, OPEC's meeting, and who's slashing oil output once again? Saudi Arabia and Russia. I find it's too coincidental that this action would affect Americans' pockets before the election, some 30 days before the elections, in a way deplorable Americans would see as the fault of Biden and the Dems. There is a relationship between Trump and the Saudis that no one really knows what the terms are. OPEC loved the Trump reign in terms of regulations. He goes on to say, Do you think Trump and company had plans in play While in office, to make things look bad for Biden, that it could sway an election, like taxes going up this year, was baked into the economy after Trump changed tax codes to benefit himself and his rich friends, which he is not one. Uh, 
don't want to give Trump that much credit, but there are pieces falling into place that seem like they were timed to happen at certain points. Is this the omen of October surprise? I hope things turn around soon. Life is getting tough a lot for a lot of people, and who knows what the next crisis will be. Brenton, P.S. Biden did tell Reverend Al Sharpton he was running in 2024. Well, you're right about this OPEC thing. And do I think uh, that Donald Trump had the master plan to this? Yeah, no. No, I don't. I was telling my brother this, and I may have mentioned this on the show before. What I really think happens with Donald Trump. Donald Trump doesn't have the capacity to plan ahead. He's very reactionary. He just says what comes to mind. He does what comes to mind. I think what's really happening here is that there are people within our government, the Republican side of the government, that are the evil fucks, and they know how to manipulate Donald Trump. They do it very easily. They feed this information to him, convince him that it'll be good for him and getting votes, and he buys into it. And I think the same could be said for the Saudi Arabians and the Russians, too. He's a useful idiot. He's not a smart man by any sense of the word. He doesn't have the capacity to plan and strategize. People are using him to their benefit and to the detriment of this country. And Donald Trump is doing this because he believes it will benefit him. We'll talk more about that in a bit. All right, the next email comes from Thomas. I'm still on the fence about Merrick Garland because he's taking entirely too long to prosecute Trump, and he's done nothing to halt his election denying uh, seditionist speeches at his rallies. Well, he got free speech. You can't really stop him from doing the rallies. So Trump continues to expand his seditionist base while sending out dog whistles for a violent response to his indictment, arrest, or conviction, and Garland remains stoic. If only Merrick Garland didn't belong to the Federalist Society, I might be less suspicious of him. You're a good guy. Respectfully, Zen. Zen. Okay. I thought it was Thomas. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, yeah, don't worry about Merrick Garland. Uh, We've got a story coming up in this show, and it's talking about how uh, indictments may be imminent. I mean, really close. As far as Donald Trump expanding his seditionist base, I don't think that's happening. I think he's losing ground. He's, that, that group isn't getting bigger. At best, it's staying even. But he's probably losing ground. So nothing Donald Trump is getting bigger. He's not getting a bigger following. Now, as far as, far as Garland being in the Federalist Society, I'd never heard that. I mean, I suppose it's possible The Federalist Society, prior to being exposed for what it is, didn't necessarily have a bad reputation. It's conceivable that an old white man like Merrick Garland could be in the Federalist Society. But that doesn't mean he's a bad guy necessarily. He is about rule of law. Trust me, he's going to nail Donald Trump. It may not happen as quickly as you want, but it'll be done right and it will be done effectively. So just just bear with us a little bit. I'm going to check this out about the Federalist Society. I don't doubt you. There are plenty of people out here that are way smarter and more informed than I am. So I'm going to check it out and see if that's true, 
not because I don't trust you, but because I don't trust me. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if that were the case. I wouldn't worry about Merrick Garland at this point. I think we're going to be fine with Merrick Garland. I think he's he's uh, just about had enough. All right. This email comes from Wendy. And in this email, the title is Not the Vegas Woman. So this isn't the woman I met. Wendy goes on to say, just watch your TikTok. I've been following you and really like your point of view, Wendy. Well, that was short and sweet, and I appreciate it, Wendy. Thank you very much. All right, we've got one more email, I believe, here. This one comes from Jeff. If I can find it here. You have to understand, when I uh, when I do this, the way I'm doing it now in a different location with different equipment, it's a lot harder. It's a pain in the ass. The things I do for you people. Now I'm kidding. I'm happy to do it. And I'm glad I found a way to do it when I'm away. All right, this comes from Jeff. How do you feel about him proposing to abolish the VA, meaning Matt Gates? I am a veteran, and I cannot believe the nation would stand for this. I am a recipient of their services and would have not become who I am without their support. They really helped me in continuing to do so. Thanks in, in advance. I wouldn't worry about Matt Gates. Matt Gates doesn't have any power now, and he's going to have even less as time goes on, if he's even in politics anytime soon. Matt Gates and these other people say these things. We're going to get rid of Medicare. We're going to get rid of Social Security. Not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. It's not feasible. Not even most Republicans with a reasonable mind believe that. That's just not going to happen. You've got 70 million baby boomers. All of them are going to be looking at Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security. What do you think is going to happen if somebody actually tries to get rid of those things? And the VA, too. Donald Trump said he did all these wonderful things for the VA, but he didn't. And uh, the idea that Matt Gates suggests uh, abolishing the VA is laughable. He's a joke. He can't do anything. He won't do anything. I wouldn't worry about it. See, that's a problem with this country. You get somebody throwing out some rhetoric, whether it has any basis in fact or not, and people get excited about it, and understandably so. But this one you don't have to worry about. Matt Gates isn't worth a shit. Even if he remains in office, he doesn't have the power or the backing to get anything done. All right, let's get to some news at hand. Justice Department officials have demanded in recent weeks to former President Donald Trump's attorneys that he return any outstanding documents marked as classified, making clear they do not believe that he's returned all the materials taken when he left the White House, a person familiar with the outreach told CNN. The justice officials, including Jay Bratt, a top lawyer in the Department of Justice National Security Division, have communicated to Trump's attorneys that he has an ongoing obligation to return documents marked as classified. This is interesting. This is a little frightening, too, when you think about it. They ask him for the documents. They go down. Donald Trump packs 15 boxes. He packs them himself. Uh, 
They take the 15 boxes, go back, and they realize, you know, we don't have all the stuff. They contact Donald Trump and his lawyers, and they say, nope, that's it. That is absolutely it. So then they issue a search warrant. They go through Mar-a-Lago and find that there is tons of other top-secret documents. Now, when they gathered all these documents the second time around, they also found 43 folders that were empty. So it's easy to presume that Donald Trump has squirreled away some more of these documents. You would think when you're in as much trouble as you are now, that when they finally say, once and for all, give us back the fucking documents, that you would do it. But not Donald Trump. And the question is, why? Is he going to hold these documents as ransom to try to get immunity or some bullshit? Well, I'm sorry, Donald. If that's what you think you're going to do, that's not going to work. Nobody's getting fucking immunity for doing the things that you have done. It's, it's, it's very interesting, though, to see how incorrigible Donald Trump is, that they're still asking for stuff, and they still believe he hasn't yet given it all back to them. Now, whether the FBI rounded up all the sensitive federal records in Trump's possession during its August search of his Florida home is a question that's loomed over the situation in recent weeks. In numerous court filings, prosecutors indicated they had concerns that classified records were possibly still missing. For instance, the Justice Department described the need to determine if other classified records still hadn't been collected and pointed to the empty envelopes with classified banners that were seized in August at Mar-a-Lago. After a federal judge blocked investigators from using the seized materials in their criminal investigation, the department said in a court filing last month that the order would impede efforts to identify the existence of any additional classified records that are not being properly stored, which itself presents the potential for ongoing risk to national security. Now, prosecutors also told an appeals court that the judge's order was preventing the FBI from taking investigative steps that could lead to the identification of other records still missing. And as I've said before, I believe there is some cataloging of these documents, so they might very well know what exactly is missing. The appeals court ultimately allowed federal criminal investigators and intelligence officials to regain access of about 100 seized documents marked as classified, but that court is still considering whether to free up access for the DOJ to use as evidence thousands more non-classified documents that were recovered in Mar-a-Lago. Late last week, the Biden administration was tight-lipped on whether Trump had turned over all the records. They're not talking. And of course, Donald, or not Donald Trump, Joe Biden doesn't want to get involved in anything that the DOJ is dealing with because, well, that's what fucking presidents do. Not what Donald Trump did, but what a real president would do. With respect to the second issue concerning whether former President Trump has surrendered all presidential records, we respectfully refer you to the Department of Justice in light of its ongoing investigation. The National Archives told the House Oversight Committee, which had raised the question. So, they think Donald Trump still has some top-secret documents, and that is fucking appalling. It's fucking scary. 
to imagine these documents are out there. He's been asked nicely, they searched his home, and he still hasn't given them all up. That is pretty blatant. That is pretty flagrant. And as I've said before, just having possession of those documents is illegal. The fact that these documents are outside a secured area, a skiff, if you will, is also illegal. I have to think at this point with Merrick Garland that he's getting a little tired of dicking around with Donald Trump. Also dicking around with this national security risk by having these documents out there. I mean, we can presume Donald Trump already did something to affect our national security. He had access to these documents for 18 months after the election and four years prior to the election. We know how Donald Trump likes to carry these things around to look cool, but we also know how he likes to enrich himself by grifting. Maybe he has some favors or money he owes the Russians or the Saudi Arabians. Giving them access to these documents have value. They have great value. And they have uh, great seriousness to the national security of this country. But Donald Trump didn't care. All he cared about is his own self enrichment. The country and the people in it be damned. It always amazes me when I listen to Republicans and they kind of blow this off. This is the very thing that upsets Republicans more than anything. At least in the past it's been that way. But not this time around. No matter what Donald Trump does, no matter what Donald Trump says, they will blow it off. It's a means to an end for them. They have no credibility, they have no integrity, and that's why they follow Donald Trump, even if it's in their worst interest, even if it goes against their religious beliefs. They will stand by Donald Trump because they feel he'll deliver something that nobody else will, like overturning Roe v. Wade and maybe some other things. So it's going to, uh, it's going to be interesting, to say the least. Donald Trump is, um, he's in some deep shit. There's just no question about it. He's fucked. You know, we heard the emailer earlier worried about Merrick Garland doing something. I'll be honest with you. Merrick Garland has absolutely no choice. He has to indict Donald Trump at some point. And even if he doesn't do it quick enough for you, we got Fonnie Willis, we've got New York, we've got uh, the, the DOJ grand jury uh, investigating January 6th. We got a lot of stuff hanging over his head, and something is going to fall. I know it never happens quick enough for you, but trust me, Donald Trump will get indicted. He'll be taken out of the equation, out of the narrative, and then he will shrivel up and die someplace where he deserves to be. He may not be in Mar-a-Lago because when New York gets done finding him and he may not be able to afford some of these places. So uh, maybe he'll be looking for a, a one bedroom in Fort Lauderdale, one bedroom apartment. Well, you'll see Melania move out because she's not sleeping in the same room with Donald Trump. She doesn't like that motherfucker any more than any of us do. It just works for her to be married to him at this point. But I think if she was given the option, she would get the fuck out of that deal ASAP. All right, we are going to take a quick break, 
and uh, we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. All right, moving on. I am so damn tired. Please email me tomorrow and let me know if I was coherent or not. I think I am, but uh, my head is just swimming because I'm so tired. But I'm convicted in getting the podcast done and hopefully doing one that's of service to you. That's my goal. So I'm giving it my best shot. Well, Joe Biden did some pretty dope shit yesterday. (laughs) You'll see what I'm doing here. President Joe Biden will pardon all prior federal offenses of simple possession of marijuana. He announced that yesterday. The president is also calling on governors to pardon state marijuana offenses. He will also ask the Secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services and the Attorney General to review how the drug schedule under current, uh, current federal law. Now, I got to tell you, this is something that should have been done long ago. Any president could have done this. We have people sitting in jail for marijuana that should not be in jail. And we have members of Congress that should be in jail and are not. But you have to give Joe Biden credit here. You know, maybe there's a risk to this. Maybe there's some potential blowback from it. But Joe, don't give a fuck. (laughs) Tough guy Brandon ain't fucking around, and he's going to try to make it right for these people that have been arrested for something as silly as marijuana. The president said, we can't do it alone. The president's calling on governors to take this action as well. A senior administration official said this is important as the vast majority of marijuana convictions are state convictions. The forthcoming pardons are set to clear the convictions of some 6,500 people who had federal charges of simple possession of marijuana from 1992 to 2021, officials said. Thousands more were convicted in the District of Columbia will also be pardoned. Criminal records of marijuana possession have also imposed needless barriers to employment, housing, and educational opportunities, Biden said in a statement. And while white and black and brown people use marijuana at similar rates, black and brown people have been arrested, prosecuted, and convicted at a disproportionate rate. And this is true. I never have heard anybody try to explain that to me. The announcement still stops short of decriminalizing marijuana, even as a growing majority of Americans say the drug should be legal. The president also intends to keep the current regulations relating to trafficking, marketing, and underage sales in place. Marijuana is currently classified as a Schedule I drug under the Controlled Substance Act, like heroin and LSD, which is fucking ridiculous. The Justice Department said it will work with the Department of Health and Human Services to review how marijuana is classified under federal law. Too many lives have been upended because our failed approach to marijuana, Biden said. It's time that we right these wrongs. 
Now, the way I'm talking, you're probably thinking to yourself, whoa, Mike loves the Wii, doesn't he? Actually, I don't. Even when I was young in the 70s, I tried marijuana. I just, you know, I just, it, it wasn't for me. And it's still not for me. I don't even use the edibles. It's not that I don't recommend them. I have people in my family that are using Delta 9 uh, CBDs for anxiety and those sorts of things. And it's been an absolute fucking miracle drug. I'm in Las Vegas. I'm walking down the street and I'll say, wow, that smells like pot. And then I'll see a guy sitting on a bench smoking a joint, which is perfectly legal, apparently. I know that marijuana is legal in in Las Vegas. I don't know if sitting on the street smoking it's illegal or legal or not, but I know marijuana generally speaking is legal. Well, we know about this court case that's going on in Washington DC. We have five proud boys or oath keepers, actually oath keepers and proud boys going on trial for seditious conspiracy, and that's a pretty serious thing. Now, a North Carolina man pleaded guilty Thursday to plotting with other members of the far-right Proud Boys to violently stop the transfer of presidential power after the 2020 election, making him the first member of the extremist group to plead guilty to a seditious conspiracy charge. And that kind of fucks things up for those people on trial and those people in the future that might go on trial. Because you can't be guilty of seditious conspiracy if you're the only guy. The entire premise of a conspiracy is that there are more people involved. Presumably the people that are on trial or maybe the people that help them in Congress or in the White House. This is not going to bode well for those people trying to hide from the potential um, the potential backlash uh, from seditious conspiracy. It might even paint these people or give them a label of seditious conspirators as well. Jeremy Joseph Bertino, 43, has agreed to cooperate with the Justice Department's investigation of the role that the Proud Boys leaders played in the mob's attack on the Capitol on January 6, 2021, a federal prosecutor said. U.S. District Judge Timothy Kelly agreed to release Bertino pending a sentencing hearing, which wasn't immediately scheduled. Now, typically, this is like a 20-year term. I have a feeling he's going to get a shorter term because he confessed. And because he's also willing to cooperate. Bertino also pleaded guilty to a charge of unlawfully possessing firearms in March of 2022 in Belmont, North Carolina. Kelly accepted his key or his uh, guilty plea to both charges during a brief hearing after the case against Bertino was filed Thursday. Justice Department Prosecutor Eric Kennerson said. Estimated sentencing guidelines for Bertino's case recommend a prison sentence ranging from four years and three months to five years and three months. The Civil War era seditious conspiracy charge carries a maximum sentence of 20 years. Now, I hadn't heard about these other two guidelines. I'd only heard about the 20-year sentence. So I'm not really sure what that means. Does that mean the worst he can get is five years? I'd be surprised if that was the case, but that might be. I'll look into it and see what we can find out. Former Proud Boys National Chairman Henry Enrique Tario 
and four other group members have also been charged with seditious conspiracy for what prosecutors say was a coordinated attack on the Capitol to stop Congress from certifying President Joe Biden's 2020 electoral victory over Donald Trump. Bertino's cooperation could ratchet up the pressure on the other Proud Boys charged in the siege. Could? I think not. I think it definitely will. A trial for Tario, Ethan Nordine, Joseph Biggs, Zachary Rell, and Dominic Pozzola is scheduled to start in December. The charging document for Bettino's case names those five defendants and six Proud Boy members as his co-conspirators. See, he's guilty of conspiracy, so the co-conspirators theoretically have to be guilty, too. More than three dozen people charged in the Capitol riot have been identified by federal authorities as leaders, members, or associates of the Proud Boys. Two, Matthew Green and Charles Donahoe, pleaded guilty to conspiring to obstruct an official proceeding, the January 6th joint session of Congress for certifying the Electoral College vote. Proud Boys members described the group as a politically incorrect men's club for Western chauvinists. That's cute. They have brawled with anti-fascist activists at rallies and protests. Vice Media co-founder Gavin McInnes, who founded the Proud Boys in 2016, sued the Southern Poverty Law Center for labeling it as a hate group. Well, you tried to commit insurrection. You tried to mount a coup. What else would you call those motherfuckers? Nordine of Auburn, Washington, was a Proud Boy chapter president and a member of the group's National Elders Council. Biggs of Ormond Beach, Florida, is self-described Proud Boys organizer. Rell was president of the Proud Boys chapter in Philadelphia. Pizzola is a Proud Boys member from Rochester, New York. So this is not looking good for those motherfuckers. Video testimony by Bertino was featured in June at the first hearing by the House Committee investigating the January 6th insurrection. It showed a clip of Bertino saying that the group's membership tripled, probably, after Trump's comment at a presidential debate near uh, that the Proud Boys should stand back and stand by. Terrio wasn't in Washington, D.C., but authorities say he helped put in motion the violence that day. Police arrested Terrio in Washington two days before the riot and charged him with vandalizing a Black Lives Matter banner at a historic black church during a protest in December of 2020. Terrio was released from jail on January 14th after serving his five-month sentence from that case. Now, the indictment in Tario's case alleges that the Proud Boys held meetings and communicated over encrypted messages to plan for the attack in the days leading up to the January 6th insurrection. On the day of the riot, authorities say Proud Boys dismantled metal barricades set up to protect the Capitol and mobilized, directed, and led members of the crowd into the building. Yeah, that's going to be a mess for those guys, and... uh, With convictions of seditious conspiracy, that's going to put the members of Congress that might have been involved and members of the White House that might have been involved a little on edge because some of that's going to bleed off into them. All right, on CNN Thursday, retired Harvard law professor Lawrence Tribe, who I like a lot, 
reacted to the news that the Justice Department believes former President Donald Trump is hoarding more documents. We talked about that earlier. Now, Lawrence Tribe has some definite opinions, and uh, Lawrence Tribe is a very smart man. He, uh, he was a professor for uh, Merrick Garland and some other well-known jurists. What do you think where the Justice Department might be headed, asked anchor Anderson Cooper. Lawrence Tribe said, it certainly suggests the Justice Department is closing in on an indictment, an indictment of Donald Trump, not simply for basically stealing top-secret documents from the White House and secreting them away in various locations, but also for violating the Espionage Act and, based on his recent reporting, obstruction of justice. Specifically, Tribe argued that the DOJ has evidence Trump is investigating both a national security inquiry and a criminal investigation. There are people whose lives are at stake if their identity has been revealed in some of these top-secret documents, which clearly were marked human resource. They were marked to indicate that, that they would reveal the identity or locations of basically American spies abroad. They were marked signals intelligence. So this is very serious. And uh, what I take these recent revelations to mean is that shortly after the midterm elections, indictments are likely to start flying. And that makes sense. There probably won't be any indictments till after the midterms. You know, they don't want to give the impression that they're being partisan or doing something to influence the uh, the election, in spite of the fact that Donald Trump isn't even running for anything. You believe that the Department of Justice might actually indict the former president, Cooper asked. Tribe goes on to say, I believe that it might well indict the former president of, uh, for obstruction, for espionage, said Tribe. This is all quite apart from the possible indictment for seditious conspiracy and insurrection. I mean, I mean, it's as though he is building a moat around Mar-a-Lago and then trying to swim in it himself. Basically, with every stroke he takes, with every move he makes, I'll be watching you. No, that's a different thing. He is digging himself deeper and deeper in his pit. His lawyers must be absolutely beside themselves because he makes matters worse. He says, I want my documents back. He brags about having taken them himself. Then he says the General Services Administration packed the boxes, boxes, but they denied it. You almost expect him to say, my dog packed the boxes, except we know he doesn't have a dog. Well, in fact, we know now from uh, some witnesses that he himself packed those boxes. Which to me sounds weird, because I don't think Donald Trump does fucking anything that requires any work or thought. But apparently, he did want to deal with this situation on his own. And it makes some sense, given the fact that uh, he has these documents, and he apparently has a reason to have these documents, at least in his own mind. And uh, some of them he doesn't want to give back. Again, does that mean for leverage, for money, for power, for what? But Donald Trump is certainly dicking around with the DOJ and the National Archives, and they aren't going to stand for it very long.
when I get these pauses, I'm taking a drink of something. My throat is getting dry. I'm tired. Am I whining enough for you? My wife would say to me, quit your fucking whining and just do what you got to do. Now, I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm put out by doing the podcast. I choose to do the podcast. I like doing the podcast. I appreciate the fact and respect the fact that there are others that listen to the podcast. And I feel some obligation there. And I worked under worse conditions. I was younger at the time, but I worked under worse conditions. Now, somebody brought up this OPEC situation in the emails before we started into things here. The decision by OPEC plus nations to reduce oil production is a foreign policy black eye for President Biden after his July visit to Saudi Arabia. It's also prompting calls from congressional Democrats to rethink the Washington Riyadh Alliance, particularly on the subject of weapons and defense technologies. Human rights advocates have long criticized what is sometimes a rocky relationship between the U.S. and Saudi Arabia, particularly after the 2018 murder of Washington Post columnist Jamal Khashoggi. Now, when Biden met with the Saudi crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, in July, it was viewed by many as a necessary evil that would potentially lead to increased OPEC output and lower gas prices. Since Wednesday's announcement, however, a number of Democratic lawmakers have called for the U.S. to respond by ending arms sales and military assistance. That seems like a no-brainer to me. Why would you help these motherfuckers if they're trying to drown us in expensive gasoline? From unanswered questions about 9-11, remember the vast majority of the pilots in 9-11 were Saudi Arabian. The murder of Jamal Khashoggi to conspiring with Russian President Vladimir Putin to punish the U.S. uh, with higher oil prices. The royal Saudi family has never been a trustworthy ally of our nation. It's time for our foreign policy to imagine a world without their alliance, Senator Dick Durbin the number two Democrat of the Senate, tweeted Thursday. Senators Bernie Sanders, uh, meanwhile, called the cutback a blatant attempt to increase gas prices at the pump and called for an end to military assistance to Saudi Arabia. Well, let's look at the facts. Donald Trump is buddies with Russia. He is buddies with Saudi Arabia. We have a midterm election coming up in 30 days. All seems too convenient, doesn't it? And as I've said before, Donald Trump is not smart enough to plan or strategize. But all these more powerful people around him know how easily he is manipulated. And I'm sure that's what's going on here. That's what happened the four years he was in office when he had the secret meetings with the Saudi Arabians and Vladimir Putin. God knows what he talked about. I heard somebody say that uh, at some point, and I kind of do remember this, that uh, Donald Trump had spoken to Saudi Arabia sometime back about cutting, uh, cutting the refining of oil into gasoline. Now, I'm not sure why he would have done that, but I do remember something about that. But this is essentially going to artificially inflate the cost of oil or gasoline. 
And they aren't doing it because it's a business choice. They're doing it specifically to spit mud in our eye. And I think all these other folks that are suggesting we cut them off completely with any kind of subsidies that we offer is a good idea. In fact, I heard somebody else suggest something that they heard from a Republican, oddly enough, but I think it makes sense. I would say take every country that's in the OPEC group and cut them all off. That's what he suggested, and I think that's a good idea. In this world, it's all about money. And since it's all about money, take their fucking money away. That's the very least we could do. Now, talking about Vladimir Putin, of course, Vladimir Putin is ramping up this whole nuclear war thing, ill-advised as it is. President Joe Biden said Thursday that the risk of nuclear Armageddon is at the highest level since 1962's Cuban Missile Crisis, as Russians' official officials speak of the possibility of using tactical nuclear weapons after suffering massive setbacks in the eight months invasion of Ukraine. Speaking at a fundraiser for the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, Biden said Russian President Vladimir Putin was a guy I know fairly well. And the Russian leader was not joking when he talks about the use of tactical nuclear weapons or biological or chemical weapons. Biden added, we have not faced the prospect of Armageddon since Kennedy and the Cuban Missile Crisis. He suggested the threat from Putin is real because his military is, you might say, significantly underperforming. So the question is, does Joe, Joe Biden really think we're on the brink of nuclear war? I don't really think he does, but I think he needs to say this in order to get people to act. We know how difficult it is getting people to act, especially in the government. Throw a little fear their way and maybe... They will act. U.S. officials for months have warned of the prospect that Russia could use weapons of mass destruction in Ukraine as it's faced a series of strategic setbacks on the battlefield, though Biden's remarks marked the starkest warnings yet issued by the U.S. government about nuclear stakes. It's not immediately clear whether Biden was referring to any new assessment of the Russian intentions. As recently as this week, though, U.S. officials have said that they have seen no change to Russia's nuclear forces that would require a change in the alert posture of the U.S. nuclear forces. I honestly don't think we're going to be dealing with a nuclear war. Nobody's that crazy. Nobody is that crazy. I don't think that's going to be an issue that we're going to have to deal with. Last story. The dipshit of the week. Of course, I'm talking about Herschel Walker. Ever since Herschel Walker announced his candidacy for the Senate last year, his campaign has been a fascinating sociological experiment in what happens when a politician stated policy positions are constantly contradicted by his own actions. This week, we found out, of course, that Walker, who had labeled abortion murder and called for bans on the procedure without exceptions for rape or incest or the life of the mother, may not be so wedded to that position. According to the Daily Beast, in 2009, Walker sent a check 
and a get well card to a woman who had aborted his unborn child. Full disclosure, I'm Full disclosure, we also find out that she is the mother of one of his living children. Walker denied the story, said he didn't know the woman. But now that we know that she has a son that Herschel Walker has acknowledged, clearly we know that is a fucking lie. And that's what Herschel Walker does. He thinks he can talk his way out of this, and frankly, he can't. He doesn't have the wherewithal to talk himself out of a fucking paper bag, let alone this problem. And we're also finding out that while there are some Republican politicians that are saying, I don't believe it, fake news, or I just don't care, I just want to win the Senate. In spite of that, there are a number of Republicans pretty upset about this whole situation, not only in the things he says and not only in the things he believes, but the effect it's going to have on the midterms. And it's going to have a significant effect, no question about it. A lot of Republicans are thinking, I'm not voting for Herschel. They may not go all the way and vote Democrat, but they'll vote independent or they'll vote uh, for some other party or they won't vote at all. Either way they go, it's going to be beneficial to the United States and the democracy and the Democrats. This is another thing I wouldn't worry too much about. I don't think Herschel Walker has a prayer in the world to fucking win this election. And if he does, he probably wouldn't last long because he's so absolutely fucking ignorant. But I honestly don't believe that he will win the election and that uh, we will uh, have Herschel Walker as a U.S. senator. I think people have watched Herschel talk and they're thinking to themselves, there's no way this guy can run a Senate office. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. And it's absolutely true. So, I don't think Herschel Walker will win. But he's going to keep blabbing. He's going to keep talking. He's going to keep acting like a big shot. But don't worry. Herschel Walker isn't going to win. He doesn't have a prayer in the world. And he keeps fucking up every fucking time. Every time. He's just like Donald Trump in that regard. If they could learn to keep their mouth shut, and try to be decent human beings, they might win a fucking election. In this case, I think it's most people, including Republicans, believe Warnock will win. And that's going to be crucial for us, meaning the Democrats. If we can get a big enough majority in the Senate to the point where Manchin is inconsequential, then a lot of shit can get done. And a lot of shit will get done. So, we'll see how this plays out. But it's very, very interesting. Now, I got to tell you, in normal circumstances, I might go a little longer. But as I say, I am tired and I'm going to have to get some rest. Um, And then I got to figure out how to do uh, tomorrow's show. Because that's going to be even harder. Now, see, I'm in Las Vegas till about 7 o'clock. That's when my flight goes out. That will get me back home in my town, Minneapolis, about midnight. By the time I get home, it's going to be 1 a.m. Now, that would normally be the time I would probably record the podcast, so maybe I'll be able to do that. But after you go through all that traveling and be as tired as I am, I know it's not going to be easy, but I will do my best to get it done. Trust me on that. 
I want to thank you very much for spending the time to sit and listen to me. I hope you have a wonderful day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow, I think. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.